This is the Breachside Broadcast, the best Vox casting either side of the breach. upside down, I'll know exactly what to do. Thank you, Percy. Learning is all very well and good, entertainment is just as noteworthy, hence the broadcast I bring into your homes right this instant. Humbly, I bring you Tales of Malifaux. I am your announcer. In case you had forgotten what happened last time, between you and me, that would not be an advisable course of action, there will be a test. We had left our two inept heroes on the cusp of a duel. Both had heard about a famous gunslinger living nearby, a man in possession of a weapon that even they couldn't lose with. That most legendary of guns, the blind man's iron. Hooper always placed three bullets on the table when he sat down in the saloon. He'd been doing it for as long as he could remember, and although there was no particular significance to the ritual, it scared the hell out of the patrons and always guaranteed him a quiet drink. He sat in a choice corner table, dipping a mug of cool milk and watching the afternoon sun lance through the windows to turn the upright cartridges to fingers of brass fire. He'd been in town for four days, and today was the first day the barman hadn't broken into a sweat when he walked through the door. That was progress of a sort. Hooper had decided he quite liked the town of Bronze Gulch. It was quiet and unassuming, and had nothing in it to draw trouble. No bank, no railroad, no nearby ranch full of bawdy cowhands. Just a handful of decent folks scratching a modest living from the dry earth. This far into his dotage, Hooper was appreciative of the tranquility. At the ripe age of 120, he slept four hours a night and existed on a diet of soup and soft fruit. He travelled a lot of rough road, and had experienced his share of excitement. These days he was happy with a juicy peach and some shade from the midday sun. The barman came over with a clay jug of milk. A refill, Mr. Hooper? The ancient gunslinger shook his head. This is fine, son. The man nodded, glanced nervously at the bullets and forced a smile. My wife's got some lovely barley and onion soup on the stove. She'll be ready in half an hour or so. Hooper smacked his old purpled lips. Sounds good. Put me down for a bowl. The barman retreated, looking relieved that the old gunslinger was so easy to placate. It was true that most everyone was respectful when they found out who he was. With the blind man's iron on his hip, it was difficult not to be recognized. The distinctive triangular bullet drum and the glowing butter-colored soul stone set into the knotwood grip made the gun almost impossible to miss. He drew it surreptitiously and regarded it under the table. The grip was worn smooth and fitted his hand perfectly from almost a hundred years of use. The engravings that had once covered the barrel had all but vanished with the erosion of time, but the potency of the weapon was stronger than ever. He could feel it prickling against his skin like static. Hooper didn't remember how many men he had killed with the pistol, but he knew that it drew strength from every death, and over the decades its power had magnified. He slid it away, almost shamefully, pushing it deep into its holster and going back to his milk. Legends were funny things, utterly detached from the truth, and yet it was the legend that everyone remembered. A man stepped into the saloon. He looked utterly out of place with expensive clothing and an ornamental gun belt. He was resting his gloved hands on his pistols, in what he wanted to be a casual manner, 
but to the old gunslinger it looked more like insecurity. Hooper's eyes met this new arrival's, and he knew in that instant that his pleasant stay in Bronze Gulch was drawing to a rapid close. That had to be him. That wrinkled old bald guy in the corner. A good gunfighter would always sit with a view of the door. The way he met Hiccup's gaze was another clue. No curiosity, no fear, just cool appraisal. And there were the three bullets standing on the table. Hiccup swallowed at the sight of them. What's that all about? The blind man's iron only held three rounds. Was he suggesting it was available for hire? Well, they had unloaded the gun. If so, Hiccup's luck was improving. Still, the bullet sitting there openly on the table made him unaccountably nervous, and he went to the bar rather than directly to the old man. The bartender had a guarded expression of disapproval on his face, but made no outright mention of the guns on Hiccup's hips. He took a bottle of whiskey and two glasses and walked back across the room. The old man watched him come. He was drinking from a mug, but he set it down as Hiccup drew near. Help you, youngster, the old man grunted when he reached his table. Hiccup wasn't certain how to respond. Would it be considered rude if he sat down uninvited? Should he be cordial? Obsequious? Should he use bravado? Would Hooper respect a show of strength as befitted a fellow gunfighter? Would he take it as an insult? You lost, kid, the gravely old man asked. Hiccup realized he was standing there with his hands full and still hadn't spoken. He sat down abruptly, realized what he'd done, and almost stood again. Kid? The old man leaned forward a touch on his seat. You okay? Hiccup licked his lips and cleared his throat. You bar Cooper? The old man watched him for a while, not in any hurry to speak. Heard of him, he commented eventually. Hiccup cleared his throat again. That wasn't the answer he expected. Are you Bark Hooper? he asked again. The old man crinkled his face. What's the matter, kid? He owe you money or something? Money? Hiccup was confused. No. You sure seem to be in an awful rush to meet him. I have a job for him. The old man settled back in his chair and took another drink from his mug. He's retired. So you are, Bark Hooper. Not me, kid, he said. You just bought your whiskey from him. He runs this place. Hiccup twisted in his seat. The bartender? That guy looked no older than fifty and would probably have jumped ten feet in the air with a good boo. He turned back to throw scorn at the old man's deception and found a finger pointing at his face. The gnarly thumb cocked back like a hammer. Bang, Hooper said dryly. Hiccup felt his face flush. Here he was, thinking about just pistol-whipping the old fool and strolling out with his famous revolver, and he'd been blindsided like it was the easiest thing in the world. He banged the whiskey bottle down on the table hard enough to rattle the bullets. What in blazes was that for? That there's a free lesson how to get as old as me, the wrinkled man said, lowering his gun. His hands were so wrinkled and callous they looked like dried wood, but his long fingers were steady when he set them on the table. There was no hint of a tremor. That also worried Hiccup. That's the only one you get, Hooper continued. Hiccup thrust out his chest, hoping to salvage some dignity. Do I look like I need a lesson? The old man looked at him over the rim of his mug. Yep, he said. I'd come here to offer you a deal, Hiccup said, setting a shot glass in front of Hooper. Thought you'd join me in a drink. Can't drink that rot gut no more, Hooper grumbled, pulling a face. Too many cheap bottles in too many backwater towns. 
Milk's all I take these days. That and a little prune juice to keep me regular. He grinned for the first time. Hiccup uncorked the bottle and poured himself a shot. I have a job for you, Mr. Hooper. A very lucrative one. Ain't interested, the old man said at once. I've retired. You haven't even heard my proposal yet. Ain't interested. I told you. But, son, the old man cut in annoyance, beginning to squeeze his wrinkled face. Right now, you're fast-talking your way into a pine box. I'm sitting here trying to enjoy my afternoon, and you're beginning to bother me. Two ways I can see to get my afternoon back. You can move to another table, or I can put a bullet in you. I don't care much whether you're out of that chair or dead in it, so long as you quit your jawing. Hiccup wanted to speak, but he found that his tongue had turned to glue. Bark Hooper had a discouraging expression on his face, namely one of mild annoyance, like he was about to swat this annoying fly and go back to his milk. Right, he murmured, scraping to his feet. He half walked to the next table, remembered the whiskey bottle, retrieved it and pulled out a chair at the next table. Then he remembered the whiskey glasses and gathered them up with trembling fingers. Right, he said again, subsiding to the other chair, unable to meet Hooper's eye. The old man settled back and took another sip of milk. He used a long finger to adjust one of the bullets in front of him, returning them to a perfect line once more, and his expression softened, like everything was right in the world again. Damn it, damn it, damn it, Hiccup thought to himself, hunched over his table. That arrogant, wrinkled, doddering old fool. How dare he dismiss him like some sort of schoolboy? Didn't he know who he was dealing with? The trouble was, he probably didn't. Bark Hooper came from an era of legends like Black Dog Gangrel and Gunter Clegg and the Mountain Man. I'll be a legend too, Hiccup thought, just as soon as I get that damn revolver away from him. He was still scheming on a way to catch the old buzzard off guard when Calamity Chance stepped into the saloon. That had to be him. That shriveled old prune in the corner with the clay mug. He didn't look like much, more like somebody's grandpa than a gunfighting legend. But old age stripped the dignity from everyone in the end. And looky there. Wild Eye Hiccup sitting at the next table, looking like a kid caught with his hand in the cookie jar. Calamity grinned. Well, well. She wasn't the only one to figure old Hooper was ripe for the plucking then. She strode confidently across the room until she noticed three bullets lined up carefully on the table in front of Hooper, and the steam leaked out of her strides. What's that mean? The ground was stopped in the middle of the saloon. Does that mean he'll kill anyone that comes close? That he's gunning for somebody? She wiped her damp palms on her ratty furs and hovered indecisively. In the end, it was Hooper himself that broke the spell. Help you, ma'am? he asked. Hooper? Bark, Hooper? she asked. The old man took his time observing her. Heard of him, he said. Mr. Hooper, my name's Calamity Chance, and I was hoping to take a moment of your time. You've done that already, he said. It was difficult to read the old man. His face was very still, and she couldn't be quite sure whether he was gently pulling her leg or suggesting she should be someplace else. She glanced at those bullets again and swallowed. Well, she thought, I'm here now. She slid into the chair that was already pulled out from Hooper's table and leaned forward, giving him her most earnest grin. Mr. Hooper, I... I ain't him, the old man interrupted, nodding over her shoulder. You want that fella over there? She twisted in her seat, feeling suddenly like a fool. 
Of course, Bar Cooper wouldn't have looked so old and worn down. He'd be like she'd always imagined, with a long mane of silver-gray hair and a chin like a piece of rock. Only when she examined the other patrons in the bar, two fat cowboys and a pasty-faced bartender didn't quite seem to fit the bill. I don't see, she began, but then when she turned back, there was a calloused finger pointing at her face. Bang, the old man said. Calamity heard Hiccup sniggering behind her. Uh, she said. Like I told your friend there, Cooper said. You wear iron, you best not turn your back on anybody else who does the same. That's why I'll be eating soup later today instead of mud. Calamity was utterly mortified. This old guy had to be Bart Cooper, and he just blindsided her with no effort whatsoever. And to make matters worse, he'd done it in front of her arch-enemy, Wild-Eye. Wait a minute now, she began. Cooper held up a big, pale hand. You get your free lesson like everyone else, he said. You're on your way to being a better killer. Ain't that what you come here for? No, uh, excuse my frankness, ma'am, but you lie worse than you shoot. If all them long irons is any judge, never understood the need to have more guns and hands, unless you plan to do a lot of missing. Well, I... In case you hadn't noticed, Missy, Cooper said, leaning close. This conversation is now over. I'd be duly grateful if you vacated my table. Calamity stared, slack-jawed. This wasn't how it was supposed to happen. Hooper was meant to be a trembling, trusting old fool who'd fawn appreciatively when she helped him up to his room where she could club him like a seal. He wasn't meant to ridicule her in front of that chuckling rodent wild-eye and then dismiss her like she was some sort of servant. Rose her feet, indignant. Now just the darn, you get the same choice as your friend there, he interrupted. You can walk out, or I'll have the undertaker drag you out. Either way is fine with me. Wild Eye was giggling at her back, and she immediately did what all cowards do in such circumstances. She rounded on the weaker opponent. You think that is funny, you varmint? Why don't you do like Mr. Hooper says and get on out of here, Hiccup sneered. Leave the men to talk business. Calamity deliberately reached out and took Hiccup's shot of whiskey, necked it, and dropped his empty glass on the floor. Friday's such a long way off, she growled at him. And here you are, plain as day. Wild Eye sniggering choked off. He had evidently become aware of the fact that he was sitting behind a table with no easy drawer on his sidearms, while Calamity was standing with her hands dangling at her hips, inches from iron. You weren't so eager this morning, he said. Change my mind, she replied. A lady's prerogative to be fickle. Like the time you lit out on Sheriff Crabtree and his posse when they went up against Ned Straw's gang, Hiccup said. After you were paid, of course. Well, then we'd best mention your own hasty exit when you found out Red Tree Hill was looking for you after you took advantage of one of his daughters, she said, with a nasty smile. As I heard it, you almost outran your horse after you fell off it. Hiccup rose slowly to his feet, his face pale and angry. Didn't you eat yours while you were hiding from Fat Tom Beef? I recall that was after you found out you'd been boasting to anyone who'd listened that you'd kill him in Green Rock. I thought he was dead, she snarled. It turns out he was so fat the bullet didn't go deep enough. That's the trouble with small calibers, Hiccup commented. Fine for killing cats, but not so good when you're up against an opponent your own size. for a word from our sponsor. Hey, we've all been there, sitting at home, 
enjoying quiet time with the family before another day in the mines. And then, all of a sudden, and totally unprovoked, a large animate toothy teddy bear runs through the front room, taking most of the walls with him. It's not fair. We know that. That's why Clancy's cleanup crew are here for you. No job too big, no job too small. Never born attack, undead ambush. Those jobs where you can't quite tell what it is. We're here to clean up the mess lickety split in no time at all. What's that? You want us to stop the chaos from happening in the first place? Come on, we're janitors. We're not guards. Clancy's cleanup crew. Here we go again. And now back to the final part of Blind Man's Iron. Hooper watched the two of them bickering. There was obviously bad blood between them, but this arguing was making his head ache, and to top it off, his milk was getting warm. Frowning and muttering, he drew the blind man's iron and broke the barrel to check the load. Two chambers were loaded, the third empty. The ancient revolver had a hair trigger, and he'd learned long ago to leave the hammer on an empty chamber. Well, two ought to be enough. He snapped the gun closed and struggled slowly to his feet, old knees trembling with the effort. The peacock was the first to notice him rising with the gun in his fist and took a terrified step back. Hooper felt the blind man's iron throb in his hand, and the other man's eyes washed over with a honey glaze in the same instant. Him first, then, he thought. Hiccup saw Bark Hooper getting to his feet, and then he saw he'd drawn his legendary pistol. It was right about then that he panicked. He went for his guns as fast as he could, but the sun seemed to come through the window... Right at that instant, and his vision turned the color of wheat. Even as he was clearing Mary Beth and Marjorie Ellen from their holsters, the old man was moving. Unnaturally fast for such an oldster, he somehow got around to the right, almost to the bar before Hiccup could draw a bead. Calamity's face turned from a puckered frown into a gape of horror as he skinned his irons. She staggered backwards, clawing for a pistol of her own, half drawing it along with a handful of fur coat. Hooper was the real threat, however and Hiccup fired at the old coot as he danced up onto the bar. His first shot blew splinters from the wood at Hooper's feet, and the second shattered a bottle between his legs. The sun was making things difficult. His entire field of vision swam like heat distortion, and Hooper was the flame at the centre of it, flickering and jittering along the bar with more agility than anyone in his dotage had a right to. Hiccup tracked the leaping mirage, blasting with both his ladies. Glass shattered and wood chips zipped through the air while the other startled patrons of the saloon threw themselves out of the way. Hooper watched the peacock swing about with both his absurd pistols up. He dragged right past the terrified woman in the raccoon hat and started shooting holy hell out of the bar. That was the way with the weaker ones, he mused, as he drew back the blind man's iron's hammer. The power of the weapon had always given him an edge. With strong or determined men, it wouldn't have been more than a flicker or shimmer just enough to throw off their aim for a second. Back then, that was all the edge he needed. But as the years had passed, the power in the stone had grown exponentially. And whatever it was his opponents saw, or thought they saw, became so much more defined, especially the weak and cowardly ones. More than once, he'd simply walked away while they shot all over creation at ghosts and mirages, but these two idiots had got his hackles up. And his milk was warm. He took careful aim. Calamity tripped over her chair as she backed away from Wild Eye. 
She went for the big clockwork 44 in her belt, but snagged her coat and ended up with a handful of both as she fell on her butt. For an instant, she thought she was dead, but Wild Eye had already swung past her and was blasting at the far side of the room with both guns, his mouth open in a scream. She glanced that way and saw flying glass and wood splinters and cowering patrons, but no evidence of an ambush. Mark Hooper was on his feet, and he'd drawn the blind man's iron. She stared at it with naked avarice. There was a buttery yellow light flaring from between Hooper's fingers as he drew down on Wild Eye and pulled back the hammer with a callous thumb. She watched the triangular barrel revolve as the weapon prepared to fire. And she saw her chance. With the old man and Wild Eye distracted, she was in a perfect position to kill them both. She fought her big clockwork revolver free of her coat and raised it to take Hooper out. Right at that moment, the old gunslinger leapt into the air like a cat. Higher and higher he went, his thin old man limbs working like a boat's oars. Lord almighty, she gaped. He's climbing up the wall. She started shooting. Hooper was pretty happy with his aim, more or less dead center of the peacock's chest. He used to go for the headshot, but these days his eyes weren't so good. Either way, the blind man's iron chambered a custom fifty black powder round. Head or chest made very little difference in terms of lethality. It had put a hole in him the size of a blacksmith's fist. And then the soulstone pulsed in his hand again, and that silly mare in the fur coat opened up, shooting all the way up the wall and across the ceiling. Debris rained down as her big pistol smashed grapefruit-sized holes in the plaster. Hooper squinted through the billowing plaster dust and was about to take his shot when a big chunk cracked him on the head, and he sat down hard, dazed. Hiccup watched in astonishment as old Hooper leapt from the bar to the nearest table. He couldn't believe such an old man could be so nimble. Damn it! There he goes! he shrieked, firing again. He smashed another whiskey bottle and hit the fleeing bartender in the leg, but Hooper somehow seemed to come through unscathed. The sun was still in his eyes, which didn't quite seem to make sense, as he now had his back to the windows. He squinted and tried to shield his face with one hand, still shooting with the other. Hooper zigged and zagged, infuriatingly slipping clear of his every shot. Instead, Hiccup hit the bartender again, a few inches higher on the same leg. Damn it! the man screeched, clutching his injured leg. He's over that way! Hiccup pivoted, and sure enough, there was Hooper jigging like a candle flame in front of the window. He fired again, putting a hole in the plate glass. Across the street, someone screamed and toppled off their horse. Marjorie Ellen clicked dry, but there were still a couple of rounds left in Mary Beth. He kept shooting until she, too, was empty. Bullets were coming at her from everywhere. She could hear them zipping through the air like angry hornets. She rolled over and got to her knees. There was Hooper, standing right there in the middle of the room in a fancy waistcoat and waving two blind man's irons. Nobody had ever said anything about there being two. The old goat was desperately reloading with twitching fingers. This was her chance. The heavy clockwork pistol was empty. She dropped it and drew two revolvers from underarm holsters and blazed at him. Bullets hit the tables and chairs around him. Wood chips swirled in the air like dust through a sunbeam. Old Hooper flinched and almost dropped one of his pistols. She kept shooting and suddenly both pistols were empty. But Hooper had jerked back and there was a smoking hole in his silk waistcoat. Hiccup had no idea where Hooper had got that raccoon hat from. But the old buzzard had just shot him through the shoulder. The pain was tremendous, but he'd managed to reload Marjorie Allen, and now there would be a reckoning. He steadied the glinting revolver with both hands as the old gunslinger got to his feet, 
and fired with the sight set square between Hooper's eyes. Calamity shrieked when the toe of her boot was shot off. There was no time to discover if any toes had gone with it. She yanked the twin pistols on her hips free and emptied the little thirty caliber chambers into her foe. Wild-Eye felt like he was being repeatedly punched in the stomach and thighs. He staggered back and dropped into his chair, while Marjorie Ellen barked one last time. He saw old Hooper take the shot high up in his chest and reel backwards, slamming into the bar and sliding down it to the floor. Got you, you old dirty trickster, he thought. That was when he noticed his waistcoat was full of holes. The little thirty caliber revolvers were still clicking impotently as Calamity slithered down the bar. She had felt that heavy impact from the blind man's iron in her chest. It wasn't painful as such, but she couldn't seem to get a decent breath in. Her legs had turned to rubber, too, so she thought it best to have a sit down. Hooper was glaring at her in a mixture of triumph and pain, but she wasn't quite done. One final surprise, old man, she thought. Grunting with the effort, he reached behind her to grip her final pistol. A long-barreled dragoon. As much as she struggled, however, the weapon wouldn't budge. Hiccup sat there, feeling the life draining out of him. He felt incredibly heavy, and both his pistols were empty. They seemed such a long way away on the end of his arms that he decided it would be too much effort to reload them again. He was fairly certain that Hooper was dead, and so he allowed himself to relax into the chair. The room was starting to whirl about his ears, and so he thought that letting his head flop back and his mouth hang open might be a good idea too. Calamity strained with the last of her strength, and with a loud ripping of fabric, triumphantly drew her dragoon pistol, along with her pantaloons hanging from the end of the barrel. Oh, darn it, she bubbled. Not again. She slumped over, quite dead, and as she hit the floor, the dragoon fired. The bullet punched another hole in the ceiling, but her silky drawers snapped high into the air, whereupon they spiraled lazily down to settle delicately over Hiccup's upturned face. Hooper groaned as he righted himself, delicately touching the raw knot on his head. For several minutes he thought he was having a nightmare. Screaming and gunfire were often all he remembered in the morning, but when he opened his eyes... He was sitting in a chair, and all around him was carnage. The walls and furniture were all bullet-chewed, and there was hardly a mirror or piece of glass left in the place. A mist of gunpowder smoke hung in the air, and, and there was a feller over there in a chair, dead as a nail, with a woman's pantaloons on his face. Hooper had seen a lot of strange stuff in his time, and he was pretty sure that ranked up there with the best of them. The raccoon woman was slumped against the bar a little way off, just as dead. Oh, well, he said to himself, and struggled to his feet. As he was dusting plaster off his clothes, he noticed a young, dirty blonde boy peering in at the wreckage with big, round eyes. Get on out of here, boy, he grunted. No need for young'uns to see this. They said Friday, the boy complained. They wasn't going to fight till Friday. I suppose one day is as good as another to get yourself killed, the old man mused. Mr. Hooper, can I see your gun? The old gunslinger was picking the bullets up from the table. Whatever for? Because I can see them dead folks' names scratched in the bullets. Oh, that, Hooper snorted. I made that up. The boy looked aghast. So the stories, they ain't true? About you killing two-barrel Pete and Pierre the Bull and all them others? 
Oh, I killed them, all right, Hooper acknowledged, shuffling toward the door. Only I didn't scratch their names in a nothing. Didn't even know who I was gunning against half the time. Not till later, anyways. No, I just started that old tail up to keep people off my back. Not many men willing to speak up against you when they think you got a bullet with their name on it. The boy was still looking at the bodies. Hooper patted him on the shoulder. Smoke and mirrors, son. Misdirection beats a quick gun hand every time. Besides, when you're thick as a tree stump like them two over there, they're more than capable of doing themselves in without me even getting involved. So, the kid was frowning with concentration. If you don't scratch people's names on a bullet, what does the blind man's iron really do? The old gunslinger grinned. Ah, he said. Now that is another story. And with that, Bark Hooper hobbled out into the afternoon sun to find a nice peach. Let that be a lesson to all of you to never, ever, ever do that thing. You, you know, that thing. Unless it involves working hard, loving your neighbour, and obeying. Lots of obeying. I think I might do as the Governor wills right after this broadcast, as a matter of fact. Fun. Stay tuned for riveting coverage of today's match at ringside. Lightning Harrison versus David Destruction. It's going to be a hoot. So, until next time, friends, do stay safe out there. Because, after all, bad things happen. Thank <laughs> you.